the willingness to just explore is what really started the whole thing. And I also detached from the outcome. So to, to, when we talk about identity and becoming someone else or um, sort of allowing in these new qualities or traits to take root, I, I had to also recognize for myself that the things I was releasing and letting go to let those things in weren't bad. They were essential. Hi, I'm Kelly Kessler, and I'm the host of the podcast, Rewiring Health. Whether you're an entrepreneur who feels like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders trying to juggle all aspects of business, or you're a corporate employee who feels like you're pulled in multiple directions trying to excel and meet deadlines, or you're a passionate parent who feels like you pour your heart and soul into your children and there's not much left for you, you're in the right place. This podcast is designed to give you tools, tips, and strategies around how you can cultivate balance within your life feel energized and present, and stop feeling like you're compromising your health and inner harmony. I am so glad you're here. So many of us search outside ourselves for a sense of belonging, a sense of peace and fulfillment in our lives. But it's only when we lean into self-discovery and bring awareness to our inner world can we truly achieve this. And that is why I love my conversation with Melissa. Melissa Kim Quarter was always fascinated with other people's basements, Dark, unexplored spaces enthralled her and her insatiable curiosity toward the hidden dimension of the mind led to decades of exploring the shadow dynamics within the human psyche and in nature. For over 20 years, Melissa conducted thousands of hours of personal and group mentoring sessions, gaining insight into the nuanced ways individuals experience the soul and fear the inner depths. Melissa has a master's degree in depth psychology with an emphasis on Jungian archetypal studies and is pursuing a PhD at Pacifica Graduate Institute. This was such an amazing conversation, Melissa, and I am so excited to share it with you now. This is going to be a really special one because it's really cool because Melissa Kim Quarter is on today. So I'm so honored for you to be here and we're actually related. So it's actually going to be even cooler to kind of dive into a lot of these things. So thank you for being here, Melissa. Thank you, Kelly. I'm honored. I'm so excited to chat with you today. It'll be fun. Yes, definitely. So I know there's going to be so many things that come in here that are really just going to benefit so many people and really dive in deep to understand themselves a little bit deeper so that they can navigate life maybe with not so much resistance. So I want to start off, how did you first get into doing what you do today and the people that you help today? Oh my gosh. I love how like what you just said about the resistance, um, because that's literally what landed me in this experience. I had so much um, resistance. I had so much um, just uncertainty. I didn't know. How, I wasn't taught how to handle or process emotion. I wasn't really, uh, I didn't have it modeled for me how to look within. Uh, so I became kind of like a seeker and I just found myself out in the world, just seeking and looking and trying to figure out, like I had this sense of there's something more, there's something beyond what I know to be true about life, about um, the self and the soul. And I had all these really deep questions and no, no answers, no place for that to kind of land. Um, and so anyhow, what happened is back in 2003, I started to take some classes and courses around meditation probably more spiritually orient oriented types of classes, personal development, things like that, uh, really on this quest to help myself with my inner critic, my self-doubt, to understand myself better. Um, and through that process, realized the value of not only doing that 
um, in like a self inquiry kind of a way, but that some of the things I was learning, people were curious about. So they would start asking me all these questions. Um, and through that experience, it just one thing after another created an entire business out of supporting people. So it was my this this inner desire to know myself better somehow turned into wanting to also be of service to others with that same type of curiosity or that seeking nature. Yeah, oh, I love that. And it is, excuse me, it always seems that it is like our own struggles that lead us into the direction of like how first we help ourselves. And then it's like, once we figure that out, that's really becomes our gift and how we can show up in the world. And it's amazing that you found that and then we're able to turn that into something that could help a lot of people. And when you talk about some of the, like the things, the, the self-doubt and all that, what did that look like when you started to overcome that, started to work through that, started to understand that a little bit more? What were those beginning steps when you started doing that? It was so messy. Yeah. <laughs> the beginning was just so messy, which I think is just refreshing to get out and to say, you know, because a lot of people feel that way. Yeah. Uh, but it was messy. It was very uncomfortable. And I didn't realize at the time that as I was facing those things, learning about uh, different ways of processing emotion, being with myself, like all of these very um, intricate ways of thinking, feeling, and being came with a little bit of, um, how do I say, almost like a breakdown of the person I thought I was. Um, and even though that sounds kind of negative, it was really a positive process. It just didn't feel so good. So the messiness was sort of challenging those doubts, those insecurities would sort of spring up others. So for example, if it's something like, even let's just say starting my business, you know, the, the thoughts of like, well, who are you to do this? And who says you can help other people or, you know, those kind of things that a lot of us have as you, as I started to face some of those and, and, and say, well, I believe that I can do this. I, I have experiences that are valuable and meaningful. Other ones start to spring up. <laughs> and so that actually got me more curious about not only the the, the, the inner narrative that was happening, but also the, this process of like, why does that happen to us? Which led me to exploring the mind, um, consciousness, the psyche, the mind-body connection, a lot of these different things that are in um, all different areas of like personal development and psychology, that helped me to see like, okay, that messiness is a good thing. That means something is shifting, something is changing. And um, I actually have a professor who describes it in this really cool way. He's like, imagine like you're doing all this work on yourself and it's kind of like somebody broke into your apartment or your house and rearranged all the furniture. And now you're trying to figure out like how to navigate it. That's what it feels like, right? When, yeah. when things are like deconstructing, whether it's a limiting belief, a new identity, becoming the person that you just feel like you want to be or or that you're ready to kind of step into different patterns and ways of being and behaviors. And it is like a rearranging of the psyche in a way. And so that was so messy and uncomfortable. And also what makes it um, those changes feel a little more rooted in a sense of self versus an external thing that it can be really easy for us to reach outside of ourselves for change and transformation. Um, but that discomfort for me is almost like a marker of like, oh yeah, that time was really hard, 
but it was really real and personal because I was willing to show up for myself. So it's messy, but has some golden, like, you know, the silver lining is in there, so to speak too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it is that, you know, our brain continually goes back to what's most familiar. So even if it doesn't serve us, we keep going back to the old patterns because there's a sense of certainty there and certainty feels safe, even though it may not bring us joy and excitement and fulfillment. It's safe. And that's why we keep going back to those patterns. So it's like, I love how you talked about you had to almost like relinquish the past version of yourself to discover the new version of yourself. You really had to separate who you were to who you were becoming. And then I also love how you talk about you're constantly evolving. You're becoming a new person every time because once you uncovered some of your truths, then you just discover that there were more to uncover about yourself. So I love that. And I also love you talk about messy because it is messy. And I think sometimes people get stuck in even starting because they think that they have to have all the answers. And I think what you exactly said is just validation for you don't have to have the answers. You just have to take a step forward. So that's absolutely amazing. Can you dive into a little bit deeper, some of those limiting beliefs that get stuck in our subconscious mind and how you were able to start peeling them back and realize that they were not true and that they weren't helping you move your life forward in the direction you desired. Oh, oh my gosh. I love this. There's so many parts to this process or I want to say process, but I'm sure it's just a collection of just random events that that happened. Um, But it was a process in a way. I think the willingness to explore was the first thing, um, even though they were uncomfortable or what, what what some people might even call like negative um, thoughts and feelings, there's still value in that. And there was a part of me that didn't know the value, but still knew there was something to it. So the discomfort, the things I wanted to avoid, the feelings that were, that didn't quite make sense my willingness to look a little closer and what I would call like leaning into it with support too, like different types of support. Sometimes that might've been a counselor or a therapist, a spiritual guide or, you know, whatever at that time. But I realized that was a key to helping to shift those things. If I just, if I just paid attention to the negative thought, I would catch myself spinning, ruminating, um, getting sort of trapped in that. And that would stop me from taking that next action, whatever it was. So instead I just found different ways. And I think there's so many different ways, but many ways to lean into that discomfort to realize there's, it's got something for me. And what would happen is a few different things. Sometimes I would realize that this fear some, that's what I feel like it was at the root of many of these negative um, thoughts and feelings was a fear or a um, an idea, a perception of how things could be. And when I would break that down and give myself permission to like go all into it, I would feel the fear. I would actually sort of do this technique one of my mentors taught me, or I'd kind of amplify it in my system a little bit, which was pretending it's happening, but knowing I'm safe at the same time that did something to let me face that, to see like, wow, this doesn't have the power over me. I thought it did, but I needed to almost be in that position to have that realization. So those kind of things where um, there were just many opportunities to get really slowed down, which is like the opposite of our society, (laughs) Um, attention. And it's not as tedious as it sounds. Like I didn't have to do that with every single negative thought because I found what would happen is if I just picked the really big ones, the really big things, the themes that are kind of circulating through life. And I I worked with one of those. 
they had this way of untangling all these other areas of my life. Um, and so that was essential, trusting that process, knowing that it doesn't feel great, but that's not an indicator necessarily to stop. You know, I think we have to know ourselves around that, um, that way of, of working with um, emotion and sensation and things like that. But the willingness to just explore is what really started the whole thing. And I also detached from the outcome. So to, to when we talk about identity and becoming someone else or um, sort of allowing in these new qualities or traits to take root. I, I had to also recognize for myself that the things I was releasing and letting go to let those things in weren't bad. They were essential. There was some of them might have been coping mechanisms that were needed to get through a difficult time or a traumatic event, or they might have been something that um, really served a purpose for me at that time until I had new skill sets or a different way of seeing. So that breakdown and that messiness is also sort of like a sorting out of, of new ways of seeing and being in the world, not just like, who was I, but now how do I want to move forward? And what, what kind of emotions and energy or um, perspective do I also want to cultivate for myself as I'm doing that? If you're an entrepreneur, a busy professional, or a passionate parent, you know life is hectic. And the last thing you want is to feel more overwhelmed trying to fit in all the self-care recommendations that you hear. That's why I created my free 12-minute wellness habits guide that gives you the most important things that you can do throughout the day to feel renewed energy and clarity throughout your life without feeling like you have another job to do. Download it in the description today. I don't know yeah. if that answered the question. I just sort of like had no, so much to really about with that. Yeah, no. And I, I love the word willingness because willingness anchors it down. It really does because like we're always willing to do something or not do something in our life. And it's like, at what point are you going to, are you no longer willing to accept what you are living in or experiencing? And it's like, once you change that willingness into, I am willing to do the work to not live this way, that's a huge transition. So no, that, that's a huge part there. And I love how you talked about like leaning into that discomfort and recognizing how the discomfort is part of the process. Because for many, you might feel that and be like, oh, no, 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 something's wrong here. Like this feels too off. Like, But having that awareness and even just saying it here, it's like for some people who are working through that, it's like, that again, just tells you that you're on the right path, because if it feels uncomfortable, you're probably working through something that you need to work through. So that's, that's amazing. And would you say it's like, um, when you start to like, just have that acceptance of like, it is what it is without applying like a positive or negative to it? Is it more just like, you're surrendering to the experience? Would you say it was how you experienced that? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, um, and, and what we would say, like in a psychological way is we're shifting from being dominated by the ego, which is good. And we need the ego and it's a healthy part of us and we need it. And it helps us with boundaries and all the good stuff. And it can be that part of us that really dictates that level of safety we're trying to find in a moment. Um, so what I was recognizing is uh, later after kind of looking back and reflecting is that my ego trying to keep me safe was um, calling all the shots. But when we start to allow the deeper self to emerge, 
um, the awareness, the shift of focus is then guided by the deeper self instead of the part of us that's really trying to, it's like this gatekeeper um, that, that allows certain amounts of information and things to come through. So when the ego begins to reorient uh, and allow our consciousness to be connected to the deeper self, there is this acceptance. There is this, uh, now some of us go kicking and screaming. I don't want to make it sound like it's always pleasant, uh, but some of us can also, like you said, that willingness word, um, have a little more grace with it, acceptance, surrender. But either way, what's really amazing that I'm, I'm discovering more and more as I just go through this life is when I allow that part of me, that deeper self, whatever you want to call that, you know, however you refer to that, whether it's soul, higher self, whatever, it, it doesn't even actually matter. Just knowing there's a part of you that um, is more wise than the part of you that wants to control. That spaciousness, that acceptance that happens also widens the perspective. It widens the lens, um, I like to say, of what we can now see what we can take into our lives, the, our capacity to hold different experiences, to hold more joy, to hold more love. So that leaning in, that willingness, the acceptance, even though we're talking a little bit about like how uncomfortable it can be, the payoff, the benefit, and like the reward of that, we have so much to gain. And I think that's the piece that gets missed in a lot of this is we, we think of focusing on the pain or, or only looking at, um, what is uh, disrupted or not as harmonious in our lives. And that is so important. And I think it's helpful to add. And the reason we can also want to do this is to, to have relief, to have more hope, right. To, to like widen our capacity for all of these other things that want to move through our life. Um, even though in the moment, I know that that pain or that, that thing, that discomfort can feel like your whole world there's so much more behind all of that. So that's kind of been my discovery of that within myself by facing these things and leading into it. Yeah, that's beautiful. And it's just, just again, validating why this is important to do and to dive into yourself a little bit deeper and that there is expansiveness and new perspective and everything when you do expand yourself, like you do see things through a different lens. For some people who feel like this feels foreign to them, they haven't even started in this process, what do you think keeps people stuck or feel or keeps people where the ego is completely dominating them and they can't oh even be outside of that? There's so many things. There's so many things. Sometimes um, one of the first things I think of is uh, this idea that change has to be hard. Um, I think what we're doing sometimes is there's a part of us that's scared and doesn't know what change actually looks like or feels like. Um, even we can see this, even in just in the change of seasons, moving from where we are, you know, fall into winter or any other season of the year, there's a process that's underway. And I think sometimes when we feel, or we notice that, um, some of us feel things very deeply and some of us notice the, these changes in other ways, it can sort of trigger a little discomfort or anxiety. And, and there's something about that, that I think tips off the mind and the ego to be like, Oh, watch out. This is going to be really hard or dangerous. It's not safe. Let's not go there. Um, so even though where we're at might feel incredibly painful, like we're really, really stuck and we just don't know what to do there could be a deeper part of us that's sort of like um, it, it contradicting where we want to go. We call it like a counterpart to us. 
And if we can lean into that and say, I'm just, you know what, it's, it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to not even know what to do or how to do it. Um, there's something about that acceptance again, that I think begins to set something else in motion where all of a sudden, and this is where like the, the conversation for me always kind of shifts into like synchronicity, but yeah. there's this kind of um, alignment, if you want to call it that, that happens. And maybe you accept, you know, I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I'm in a lot of pain or struggle physically, mentally, emotionally, whatever it might be. And all of a sudden you just decide to go to the bookstore and a book falls off the shelf, you know, or a random friend just starts mentioning to someone to you and, and says like, oh, I saw this article or this thing that this, this video that this person did. And it just speaks to the thing that you're feeling. So the, the, the most powerful and sort of hidden part to this is that it can feel really scary and there will be something there to support you. Um, sometimes we have to make that effort and, and sort of like pull ourselves forward into it. But other times, if we just kind of rest for a moment in this idea of, I don't know what to do, but I'm open, and then just notice and pay attention and give yourself a little time there, you'll start to see things showing up. You'll start to see things happening around you. Um, it, it's like a reorchestration of the world saying like, I've got your back here um, and you don't have to feel that way. And I know you're scared and we're going to give you all these resources in a whole variety of ways mirrored in the world around you. And your job is to just one by one accept notice, see what feels right or, or, or what looks like a possible next step. Um, but don't put this burden on yourself that you have to figure it all out, that you have to know what your healing or transformation journey looks like. Just be willing to take a step. And I, I really believe the universe will, whatever that is also to people, um, will meet you and not only meet you halfway, but really come in close if you're just willing to start moving forward. I yeah. love that. And I, I totally love the synchronicities because I've experienced it in my life and I'm like, oh my gosh, like what what's the oddest of that happening? You know, like the other week, I, uh, I or a few weeks ago, I started a book and I, I pulled it off my shelf. I've literally had it since like 2016, but like 2016, I was not in a place to read it. I would not have received it well, but I literally, it's been on my bookshelf and I'm like, oh, I should read that book. I read this book and I'm like, that's what I needed to hear right now. Like, so it was literally oh that God. I've had it on my book bookshelf for seven years. And it like took me to now where I'm like, I was open enough to receive the messages and it's exactly what I needed to hear in this moment. So I totally get what you say with that. And I think that's such a huge message for people who do feel like they have to have it all figured out. It is just about taking just one little step, but also, like you said, being open to seeing how things are helping you, that you're not alone in this journey. And it's like, again, going to the science of that, that's a reticular activating system. So if you are looking for that, you'll actually start filtering out the world to see more of that. So that's yeah. the, that's the coolest part. It's like there's science and spirituality all coming together to help you out. You know, I love so, it. That's my favorite when those worlds really are so much yeah. closer for us than we realize sometimes they really are. It's amazing. I want to dive into that a little deeper because again, for someone who maybe this feels a little foreign and like, I know like when I was started before I was in a better place than I am now, but like, I would think I have to just, 
stop the negative thoughts and start thinking like more positive. I got to be more positive. And I know we can get stuck in these traps where it's like, stop, stop the thought. Okay. Let me think of something positive. And it's just so surfacy. And I recognize that now, but back then I thought that was what I had to do. Can you talk right. about how that can become a trap for people where we think we have to submerge ourselves in positivity in order for us to actually make changes and how that really does not serve us well? Oh, I love this area because this is something that I experienced very personally when I first started getting into more of the spirituality of things. And even in some of the, 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 um, psychology type of area, personal development, I kept hearing these different things. And, um, it, it wasn't necessarily that I was against these different ideas or ways of being or perspectives. But what I, what I kept seeing was this undercurrent of like, don't feel it, override it with your mind, just think positive and everything will work out. And even though I think the core to that is very true that things are working out for us. I think that there's, um, we need to like really be tender with our humanness <laughs> as we're kind of getting there. So uh, that it's such a difficult place to be. And I think we've all been there or, or revisit that in our lives where it's, you just, you, you say to yourself like, oh, I just think I should be thinking differently about this. I know there's a solution, but I'm just not feeling it. I feel stuck or trapped or, you know, depending on the environment we're in, levels of safety and all of that. Um, so those thoughts will keep spinning. And then depending on other uh, parts of our um, overall, um, I'll say our inner makeup of who we are, they can affect us in different ways from that place. Um, some people are really good at having negative thoughts drive them to do a, an action or take an action in the world of achievement or goals or things like that. Uh, you know, it comes back to the nervous system a little bit when we when we kind of start thinking about those thoughts and how the body responds. And some of us shut down. Some of us are motivated. Some of us um, uh, will just retreat, withdraw. You know, there's so many different ways that we respond to that. But one of the things I think that's so helpful is remembering that it it comes back again to me for, for that thought has purpose. It may not be healthy. It may not be where you want to stay. And you certainly want to find a way to not let it control you or dominate your, your thinking life, your thought life. Um, and how can we give it an outlet? Um, so the thing that changed my life, and still I do this every single day, is just working with a journal, just a simple a notebook. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. Um, but if we can understand that, like, whatever's going on internally is trying to get our attention. For some people, it is a positive thing that wants to become something else in their life. So an example is um, an idea, a creative impulse, right? Maybe it's a, an annoying idea you can't get rid of. So it feels almost negative because it won't leave you alone, but you're not paying attention to it. For somebody else, it can be something from their past that's unresolved within them on some level. And it's just kind of spinning. Um, and there's a million things in between. But journaling, I feel like, gives those things a place to go. Um, and some people are afraid. So this idea of like thinking positively to override our humanness, our feelings, our emotions 
can be really damaging for people. Um, and, and so, of course, we don't want to stay there in that energy and that emotion. But I feel like what's really helpful is to at least move it a little bit, do something with it that you feel like you have some type of creative control over. Um, you don't have to be a therapist or a counselor to get out a journal and let yourself just free write. No editing, no censoring. What is the thought? What is the feeling? Um, you can ask yourself questions like that. You can scribble, you can draw. It doesn't have to be coherent. It's not going to be published. <laughs> so it's more of just like, I, I gotta, I want to give this thing, this thought, this feeling a place to go. And, and I feel like in a lot of community, and I'll call them communities. I don't really know what else to call it, but in a lot of places where it's um, overly spiritual, overly positive, uh, don't focus on that thought because it'll grow, it'll expand. It's like, well, actually, it's probably going to keep growing and expanding if we don't give it the attention it, it wants from us because it's trying to serve us on some level. So journaling is a great way to be like, I don't know what to do with this or how to shift it or heal it or whatever, um, but give it a place to land and you can Never revisit it again if you don't want to, but there's something about getting it out that gives us a sense of control, a sense of we're doing something, we're, we're taking charge, um, and can get us to sink a little deeper into what is really going on here instead of the going right into like, let's say affirmations or positive thinking. It's almost like we're trying to cover that up. Um, and it'll just keep festering. So I really like journaling as a tool for people to start to find safety and connecting with their thoughts and feelings, start exploring them. Uh, you don't have to trace them back into traumatic events or do that other kind of work on your own if you don't feel safe to or if it's too big. But at least giving it somewhere to land can start breaking that pattern instead of just sort of covering it up or bypassing into something positive because then it, it's just going to, it'll come out sideways <laughs> somewhere else in life, I find, <laughs> through the body, through a relationship, through some other thing. So it's kind of like, you know, I, I feel like we just have this opportunity to stop being so afraid of our humanness, our humanity, you know, and I see in the spiritual language and and, and places, that's one of the reasons it, it turned me off to it for a little bit. And then I reemerged and thought, I'm just going to bring the light into these topics, right? And uh, but that is something I see. And that's damaging too, when we only focus on the positive, because we do have this different, deeper dimension to us um, that allows us to work with the parts of ourselves that we um, don't feel so good about, you know, but they have purpose too. It's it's not something to get rid of. The more we embrace these different aspects of who we are, the more we tap into our wholeness instead of this um, false identity or false self or back to that idea of like the ego oriented self that's the part of us that wants to be perfect that wants all the parts to be loving and kind and probably abundant and rich and have a perfect body <laughs> you know but then there's all these other parts that are like maybe they're angry maybe maybe a part as a rebellious 16 year old that like didn't get to be a child maybe there's you know there's so many of these other parts of us and it's, it's what makes up our character, you know, the greater part of who we are. So if we can lean into them a little bit at a time with the right support, we'll discover so much more in that thing that we're trying to override or um, 
or bypass. So anyway, that was a really long answer. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, I know. I love that. And I like, I journaling is such an amazing, it really is such an amazing tool. Like, and I love how you said like, again, do it messy because like it is, can become a trap to you. We're like, I didn't write that right. And then it, then it almost backfires. But so it's like, again, giving yourself permission that this can be whatever it is. And it's just to get it out there and really know the purpose behind it rather than like, this is something I should do actually understanding that I, I think you described it beautifully, like how that can really be such a beautiful tool to get it out of your head and really start to understand yourself deeply and, and see that contrast in, you know, some of those harder things or challenges versus some of those things that, you know, we strive for some of that joy and bliss in our life, but it's the contrast that makes each part beautiful. And that is really who we are and how we can you know, become a greater version of ourselves and in, in understanding and allowing the contrast to be. So yeah. I love that. When we talk about energy, because again, we, we can kind of get stuck in those like lower energy, like vibrations, you know, like fear, guilt, shame. And it's like, even when we're trying to help ourselves, sometimes there can be like this overriding shame that just is hard to shake or guilt in that you feel like you should be someone different. And you're not. How do you <clears throat> cultivate higher energy levels? How do you get that in yourself? Or what are some things you would recommend someone do if they've been living in years or decades of guilt, shame, or fear? Oh my gosh. I work with this so much. And my, I myself have been in that. I just came out of a three-year period of that. It was really difficult. Um, and there are many ways, there are many ways when I think of that. So even just talking about shame and guilt, for some, some of you listening, you might already have a sense of like just feeling the heaviness and the weight to that uh, and how that might sit in the body or how that might um, bring up memories or thoughts or experiences. Like we all have these different associations with guilt and shame and personal relationship to that. Uh, and, and I think part of it is learning how to break these cycles which sounds like a huge responsibility for us that are like doing this kind of work. But really what I'm thinking more of is it, it's pattern interrupts too. Like how do we interrupt the pattern until, until we can get a little distance from it because, and it sounds contradictory because on one hand we're saying like, okay, lean in a little bit to the discomfort and to the things that don't feel so great. But at the same time, sometimes we can be leaning in so much, we're like saturated by it. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's like knowing yourself kind of and where are you in that? Not necessarily needing to know where you are in the journey, big picture. But right now, when you think of that, it's like, do you feel like you're really, you've just been immersed and it's really heavy and you're kind of stuck in it? In that case, I would say moving your body a little bit is super helpful. I have this thing where I will take my problem for a walk or I'll take my sadness for a walk or I'll take my grief or my shame, whatever. I like to, there's something really healthy and helpful about identifying it, but um, giving it a form. So you can give it a name, you can give it a form. You can actually, I have one of my clients had this great idea where she found this rock outside. It was just like a little, a tiny rock she could put in her pocket and she named her rock, but identified it with one of the emotions that was really sitting heavy with her. And she put it in her pocket when she went for a walk. Oh, and so that. I was like, I'm going to go walk with this yeah. emotion. And it, you can, you slowly start to separate yourself a little bit 
from it. Otherwise, what we can do when we're so stuck in it is feel like it's our whole identity. It feels like our whole world is this one emotion, this one block, this one thing. And that even makes it more heavy and more dense. Uh, but we can start slowly separating it in a healthy way, you know, separating versus like dissociating from it. And going for a walk is one of the things, even, even if it's on a treadmill, like if you don't have access to, you know, a place to go outside or the weather is, is awful. Um, something just walking around the house, because as simple as that sounds, the minute you get up and you move your body through space into a different space, into a different room, there's a lot going on internally that you can't see. And your, your, your subconscious, your unconscious is sort of gauging a lot of different movements and things about life and um, noticing details that your conscious mind isn't even aware of. So just something as simple as I'm going to identify with this rock or the stone or this other physical object. I'm going to call it this emotion and I'm going to walk with it. Then what I do is step into something that we use um, as a tool. It's called active imagination. And this is something where you don't have to go into a deep, relaxed state with it. It can be while you're walking and you just start kind of asking, you know, asking your rock, your stone, your tool. Uh, you know, I noticed that um, when you're with me, I feel this way and I don't like it at all. Um, what are you trying to show me? Because I'm not understanding. Or, or can you show me this in another way? Can you help me understand and walk and just be still? not still, but, but um, silent while you're walking, kind of like a silent meditation. I recommend people bring a journal um, because so sometimes just a little random thought that you think is nothing is a tiny thread that will open you up into a whole other area. Um, it's, it's pretty amazing what happens when we give space and a little bit of like a healthy, I call it like a healthy psychological distance from our feeling when we're really deeply enmeshed in it to to start having some inquiry with it um and the other thing some of my clients have done is let it take on and again you have to know yourself for some of these exercises um if it feels like it's too much i would trust your instinct and don't don't attempt it alone or something like that but um the other thing is allowing it to have um, like a cartoon face, <laughs> you know, and sometimes by making it like, let's say like Frankenstein, like this creepy monster, kind of comical in a way though, where I don't really feel threatened, but I don't really like it. There's something about that too, playing around with these ideas, we can soften our resistance toward these feelings and emotions. Dialogue, we know that we're doing this intentionally. It's not a fantasy. It's not something that we're fueling. We're not saying it's real as far as um, anything like that, but more of just giving these emotions and feelings a place to be, to exist, so we can gain a different perspective. Because when we're so deeply in it, it's hard to see clearly. Um, it's it's funny. I was talking with um, someone a couple months back, and we were sharing. There's this a wonderful author. Her name's Marianne Woodman, and she talks a lot about the body and emotion. And uh, she says, and she has this quote, and I'm, I'm not quoting her directly, but paraphrasing, it's something like the body's so close to us, we can't see what it holds. And it's kind of true. Like it's, it's yeah. right here, right? It's right here. And the things that are right in front of us, we can so easily overlook. So finding ways to create a little bit of separation from you and that feeling so that you can feel safe to explore it further can open a new dimension of meaning 
and what it might be trying to show you. Um, and, and that might require support from someone else or a trusted friend, uh, or, you know, if you're really good with that kind of stuff, again, the journal, but knowing there's something there and just because you haven't realized it or found it just yet, doesn't mean you're as stuck as you feel. It just takes a little bit of exploring and, and working with it. Yeah, no, I love it. The perspective is is so important with that because I, you know, I I love that I do walking too. Like I, that totally works because it really does kind of allow you to to understand yourself better. But it's like that perspective. If you go to a painting and you put your nose right up to the painting, you can't see the whole painting. It's confusing what that could possibly be. But if you take a few steps back, now you can see the picture for what it is. And it's it's exactly what you just said. You know, it's like having that perspective, removing yourself a little bit from it, where you can start to see it for what it is and not just feel like it's consuming you. And that's that's huge. Yeah, I love that. I also like the idea of the stone. I never thought about that, but that's a, such a great idea. It's like, again, just having something that, that like symbolism for your brain. It's amazing. You don't know what things will do to your brain to allow it to open up. And, and one thing that I really took from what you were saying too, is just asking yourself the right questions, like mm-hmm. ask yourself questions that will help you move forward. Cause we can often get stuck in the questions like what's wrong with me? Why does this always happen to me? And it's like, if you ask yourself those questions, you're going to get a set of answers that are not going to help you. So you have to start asking yourself the right questions. And I, so I love that, how you shared that as well. Yeah. So good. That's such a great point. I had, yeah. Cause those questions, depending on how they go, can open up a whole other thing and actually make you feel worse or more deeply embedded in your situation versus expansive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I want to get into because um, I found this so interesting and you had written this, but how do fairy tales psychologically help us? And I would love to hear your perspective on that because I found that so interesting. So I would love to hear that. Oh, I, yes, this is one of my favorite things. So yeah. um, part of the the, the training that I'm, I'm still currently going through was a big part of my, my schooling is understanding how the psyche works when it comes to um, looking at film, looking at art, looking at storytelling. And it's so interesting. And it's it, we already do this. We notice where, for example, somebody shares something with you. Uh, maybe it's a personal story that of uh, like something they went through and you might recognize parts of what they shared in yourself. You might recognize there's a parallel of maybe the situation, maybe the perspective, maybe how it felt, you know, the feeling quality or tone of the experience might what we would call like it would start to resonate with you. And so there's something there where it's like, oh, I understand that person because of um, maybe my own way of relating to that. Right. So that whole entire process is the same thing with fairy tales. Uh, And it's really fascinating because there's this deeper meaning, this symbolic meaning that's hidden in fairy tales from the clothing that the characters are wearing, how they walk through the world, the places they find themselves. So a lot of fairy tales, and, and I should say, let me back up a little to say that a lot of this perspective comes from what's called Jungian psychology, which has to do with the work of Carl Jung and studying these different parts of the psyche and and knowing that there's this hidden part of us that he would refer to as the unconscious. Um, And it's got amazing, wonderful, magical things. And then it's got the parts of us where, you know, we don't really care for all of that kind of stuff. So in a fairy tale, most of the time the characters will find themselves like going deeply into this forest, you know, into into the dark wood, they would call it. And the idea is that that is a part of us moving into the unknown. 
or moving into the unconscious. And then the figures, let's say we're on a path in this dark wooded forest. All of a sudden there's these creatures that are usually in the tail. Maybe there's a, a bird um, or a deer or some other type of animal that kind of shows up on the path. And the idea is that these are like the helpers or the messengers. Um, there's a belief in fairy tales that crows and um, ravens and birds like that know all the secrets. <laughs> so often they'll show up on the on the trail to kind of tell us the little secrets and help us see things that might be hidden. Um, anyway, there's there's all these really cool, like symbolic ways of thinking about tales and and stories like that and understanding that um, when we read something like that, it is a way of doing that psychological distancing because you're looking at something externally you may be resonating with it in a deeper way, but you're seeing something different or new through the character's journey, which can help someone. It can help someone. So you can take films like The Wizard of Oz and look at the yellow brick road and everything that Dorothy goes through. And the man, you know, at the end of the, the film, it's like the, the big veil comes down, the curtain comes down and we see what's behind there. And there's all these different ways to symbolically walk through film and fairy tale. But you can pick a fairy tale. I do this a lot with clients that are um, trying to overcome a lot of uh, things from childhood, you know, whether it's trauma or whether it's just building self-worth, you know, and, and things like that. And I'll have them pick a fairy tale that they identify with as what we would call the wounded child. Uh, and, and it's really a beautiful part of us, but it's a part of us that maybe still is harboring resentment or pain. And, um, you know, on some level, which I don't know many people that don't, <laughs> you know, have something like that. Right. But what we would do is think about like, okay, what is a tale that that wounded child part of you would choose to use to express how they saw themselves? And it might be something like I had a client once say the ugly duckling. Um, and then we, she worked with that though. And so even though at first it's kind of like, Ooh, you know, it's, it's sad or it's uncomfortable. Um, what we did is pick a different tale, like, okay, now where are you going? What does that tale reveal to you? What does that fairy tale contain? Um, so you might start with the ugly ducking duckling, but then you might move into something else that, um, like little red riding hood, even though some of the old school versions of these fairy tales are very graphic, yeah. they're meant to, right? They're yeah. meant to stir and stir things up. Right. Also these deep lessons of learning to trust yourself on the path, mm -hmm. to look for the helpers, yeah. to listen to the wisdom and the guidance, to know that you're going to find your way, to know that the things that aren't always what they say they are will reveal themselves if you trust yourself. And so there's like, it, not only is it very magical, but it's really psychological too. And it's like we said before that spiritual and that um, scientific comes together. And those are ways that we can safely explore things without re-traumatizing, but also with creating something that feels sort of enchanted and magical and gets us in touch with those younger parts of ourselves that really want to bring that spark back into life in the present day. So things don't feel so heavy or intense, but we're still very present in our lives. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? I, it does. I love that. I'm, I feel like I'm not going to look at fairy tales the same way now. Like right. after this conversation, I'm going to go read my son tonight and I'm going to be thinking about things differently. <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah, that's usually what happens. Yes. <laughs> I love that though. But it just again, gives you that different perspective that there's always deeper things. And like, 
our subconscious mind works so well with stories. It ingrains that. So it's like that again, just allows us to go deeper. And I love that. I love that idea. I've not, I've not heard that before. So I absolutely love that. <laughs> so fun. you can yes. recreate it, you know, you can recreate yeah. or the story or add right. a new thing, or maybe mm-hmm. in your, in your real life version of your, your childhood tale, um, there were certain things and maybe you revision it to who do I wish could have shown up and let's add yeah. that figure in, let's add that creature, that animal. Animals are really great too, for when we're dealing with some really intense traumatic type of, uh, material for people. They're, they're like a middle ground, um, a safer way of working that isn't quite so human, right? Cause humans may not feel people may not feel safe to all people. So you can also work with an animal or a creature in that way with this active imagination type of process um, that still helps you very deeply, but gives you a little bit of that emotional safety until you're learning to trust or cultivate something else in your life. I love that. And like trust is such, that's, that's it. Like, I love how you that's it. I mean, it's just learning how to trust yourself. And we don't, sometimes we don't even realize how little we trust ourselves until we start trying to learn how to trust ourselves again. Oh, yeah. I love that. Like that could be a whole nother episode. Right Absolutely. Oh, it's so fun. It's so fun. I know, it's right? Revealing. Oh I feel like we could talk about this all day, but like I, I just wanna for anyone who want to connect with you and really touch base with you, how can they connect with you? Where can they find you? Thank you so much. You can go to my website, which is melissacorder.com. Um, you could also email us Melissa at melissacorder.com. And um, yeah, we just, I love working with people in this way. We have all different types of things going on throughout the year, different ways to experience it. I am working on my website, so I will have some more materials, including some of the fairy tales and examples of how to work with it, things like that. But yeah, just feel free to reach out and get in touch. Definitely reach out to Melissa and I will put everything in the show notes. This has been amazing. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing just so many unique ways of approaching our better understanding of ourselves. And I just, I love it. Oh, thank thank you. you. It's my honor. Anytime I get to talk about this, I'm like, is this really my life? This is so (laughs) fun. And, you know, it's just, it's such a pleasure to be able to bring things to people and share and have these types of conversations. So thank you for what you do as well, because it's really impactful. Thank you so much. And you can just see how like all everything has just been this gift to you that you are now giving people a gift of having a better understanding of themselves. So thank you again. And again, thank you for everyone who listened and tuned into this episode. And if you found value in it, please share it with as many people as you can, because we don't want to keep these messages to to ourselves. And again, it could be that synchronicity in someone's life that they needed to hear something that came out today. So share it with people so that they can start taking that step forward in their life and, and start cultivating some trust within themselves. So thank you again. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode. I hope it serves you well to start rewiring your brain to create the life you desire. If you found value in this, please share it with a friend and tag me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Kelly Kessler. 